Well, early this year, it was in uh, January, I think it was our second um, Sunday together in January, I actually spoke on what I believed was from the Lord. And that is that for us, 2022 will be a year of great grace. And a few weeks ago, I got around to fixing up a little sign up there. But now it says 2022, a year of great grace. It's been up there for about a month now. But I, I really have had it on my heart for a few weeks now to do a reprise or a reprise of that particular um, Sunday. Now, one of the struggles I had was knowing how to pronounce that word, R-E-P-R-I-S-E. Now, for about 500 years, it's been pronounced reprise. And I reckon it should be, because that's how it's spelled, right? But guess what? Does anybody know the record label that Frank Sinatra started? You might know this, Mark. Does anybody know? Famous for the atheist anthem, by the way. I did it my way. You remember that song? I did it my way. Atheist anthem, that one. Well, he, he established a record label, which he called Reprise Record. And that's how he spelled it. And ever since then, most people around the world have pronounced the word reprise. Isn't it funny? Now, I personally detest people who damage the English language. Well, I, de I shouldn't say I detest the people because I'm filled with the love of God. But I detest the act of damaging the English language. And he's damaged it in a... Yes... Oh, now we've got Trans-Tasman War. <laughs> Don't worry about the Chinese in the Solomon Islands, hey? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, we've opened up a can of worms this morning, haven't we, eh? Anyway, I'm going to say reprise, okay? It is. I mean, we don't say... Surprise! Surprise! Happy birthday! We don't say that, do we? And we don't say, I'm going to reese early tomorrow morning. Like, people would think we were a goose. Anyway, anyway. So if you're an atheist, you can say reprise, all right. <laughs> anyway, I thought it would be a good idea. And uh, as I say, it's been on my heart. And our key scripture is Acts uh, 4.33. And with great ability and power, the apostles were continuously testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace, God's remarkable loving kindness and favour and goodwill rested richly upon them all. That's from the Amplified Bible. The, I think it's the Amplified Classic 
now because now there are two versions of the Amplified Bible. That's interesting. I was on a Zoom call on, on Thursday night and um, we're, we're just in the final stages of, of this um, paper that I've been working on with a group of people from around the world on business and the church, just trying to develop some ways in which we can better integrate the ministry of business with the ministry of the church. And we got into a discussion about which Bible version should we use. And, um, you know, I, I said, uh, well, look, I, I'm happy first to use the NIV because certainly among evangelical and, and, and Pentecostal um, movements, that tends to be the most commonly used, although I, I prefer the New King James. So they said, yeah, 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 we'll use the NIV. And then someone said, now, do we use NIV 1984 or <laughs> the more recent version of the NIV? So there's an NIV 1984. There's an NIV, like the latest edition. There's an NIV UK, where, where the spelling is all in UK English. There's like an NIV inclusive language. Man, <laughs> which one are you going to choose? Oh, wow. Anyway, whichever sounds right. But I do, I do, I, I, I don't use the Amplified Bible all the time, but I do love this one. I'll tell you why. Because you see, it, it, it draws out a little bit about what grace means in the context of this verse. God's remarkable loving kindness. His favour, spelt the American way, but you know my daughter lives in America now, and goodwill for us, for us, rested richly upon them all. And of course, the early church, which is the subject of the book of Acts, I think is a, a pattern for, for church today, not necessarily in terms of the institutional structures, but the degree of empowerment of the Holy Spirit is something that we should be experiencing today, just as they did back then. So let's move on to the next slide. The key points, and look, this is just a, a copy, really, of what I had up um, back there in January. There's a context for Acts uh, 4.33. And let, just let me read Acts 4, verses 32 through to 35 from the New King James Version. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. So the context here is the first Christian church. Uh, in Acts 4, by the way, Peter hadn't had his dream that, that led the preaching of the gospel to the Gentiles. So we're still actually talking about the early Jewish Christians. So we're talking really about the very first Christian church. They sold their stuff whenever there was a need among the church community. Now, I, I feel that, that many Christians have 
misunderstood what this is all about because I've heard many, many Christians saying that private property is evil. Pardon me? How can you have the sixth commandment if there's no private property? You can't steal if nobody owns anything, right? Well, in fact, Christian communism developed based on this scripture and there, and this is repeated elsewhere in, in the book of Acts. Now, just let me, and this is one reason why I think deep dive Bible study matters for all Christians. I believe it's important that we understand a little bit about the context. To the very best of our knowledge from uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls and historical documents, no society has ever been able to sustainably do this. Now, there's a really good reason for it, which I know about because I've got a PhD in economics. You sell everything up and you give it away. There's no new production. Everything grinds to a halt. Remember Margaret Thatcher um, famously said, the um, one thing about socialism is that you eventually get to the point where there's nobody left to tax, right? So the fact that all through Old Testament law recognises, defines and protects private property. So the Bible is never going to undermine itself. Now we know there's evidence in the, the Dead Sea Scrolls and there's other historical evidence that the Essenes, that small sect, was about 4,000 people who, who belonged to the Essene sect, they didn't believe in private property. And then there were a few other small elements of society through the ages, like the Pythagoreans, who also didn't believe in private property. Guess what? They don't exist anymore. Which one? The theory certainly does. Oh, Pythag oh the Pythagorean, yeah, the, the theorem, yeah, the, the, the theorem does. Um, and we've also seen that Socialist, communist economies drive most of their population to poverty. What tends to happen is that there's concentration of power and in the end, the power is maintained by using weapons of war. Right? It, it, in the end, that's what happens. And the centres wind up actually um, being martyred effectively. So it's very unlikely that the passages referring to holding everything in common and selling houses and possessions is meant to be prescriptive for every Christian through all time. It's likely that Luke was engaging in the literary technique or the rhetorical technique of hyperbole or exaggeration, right? Now, the thing about it, however, is this. The early Christians, we know, they did sell property when anyone had need. And remember that they set up a system for distributing to uh, the widows in particular. That, that's mentioned there as well. I think it's Acts chapter 6 or thereabouts, right? The, the disciples themselves found that that work was too onerous and it was preventing them from doing the work of evangelism 
So they said, Let, let's put together a group of people who will do that job for us. So what, what made the Christians unique was that when there was a need, they sacrificed personally in order to make sure that nobody was left without what they needed for life itself and for engagement in their community. The early Christians went much further than societies in general had ever been before. And of course, Christians are known around the world for the sacrifices that they make for the benefit of others. But we're not all called as Christians to sell everything we have and to give it to the poor. If everybody does that, there's no production of anything into the future and everybody sinks into poverty. But they made their mark through their generosity. The third thing is that there was such unity among these people that power and great grace followed. And we spoke about unity in our one-minute pastor earlier today. You see, you can't manufacture that power to evangelise and you can't manufacture that great grace. It's the consequence of something, the consequence of unity. move on to the next oh you're there already you anticipated me tomorrow so putting acts 433 into practice we are to be united as it says in that scripture one heart and one soul so unified that doesn't mean there was never any disagreement by the way because the book of acts also records disagreement among some of those early Christians. Unity is not agreeing on everything, but unity is being bound together as one. Bound together by our belief in the life, in the death, in the resurrection, and in the ascension of Jesus Christ to be seated at the right hand of the Father. The second is to be bold. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And it's, it's not Pentecost Sunday yet. That won't happen until uh, early June. But I just want to briefly remind you about James and Peter and Paul who experienced great power. They, they were people who shaped the Christian faith. James, the brother of Jesus, was a sceptic. He did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. You know, brothers can be like that, eh? Siblings can be... Oh, nah, that's not for real. Yes, I know. That's, that's not for real, we say. You're like, come on, you're not going to become Prime Minister of Australia. You know, Paul, the other one. Well, James didn't believe that his brother Jesus was, the, was who he said he was the Son of Man, the Son of God. 
But you see, when James saw the resurrected Jesus, that changed him forever. And he became one of the leaders of the early church, a courageous man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. What about Peter? Peter the coward. Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus three times. Peter, the disciple who disappeared off the scene. He saw the resurrected Jesus. And you should read the sermons he gave. Read the book of Acts and see how powerfully Peter preached. Thousands came to Jesus when Peter preached. Remember, people were healed when Peter and John walked past. Even when their shadow fell on people, they were healed. I was reading this morning something of the life of St. Francis Xavier. Uh, there are lots of churches and Catholic parishes named after Francis Xavier. But, but you know what? He so powerfully believed and there was such power in his life, he even raised people out of the tomb. Didn't Jesus say these things and greater you will do in my name? This bloke lived, I think it was uh, like in the 16th century. And he saw the power of God release miracles. And we think, oh, he's a Catholic saint, so what? Well, the Holy Spirit, he spoke in tongues, I believe. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, we need some Francis Xavier's among us. So Peter, he was transformed from a coward to a man of incredible courage. And what about Paul? He had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus too, didn't he? He was the self-confessed chief of sinners and yet ended up with more in the New Testament than any other writer. Other than Jesus, widely acknowledged as the person who had the most influence on Christianity. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the third element is to be generous. Generosity. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about generosity. I'm actually writing uh, a series, or I'm doing a series of videos uh, for another ministry on, on generosity. And, and, and it's something, I, I love talking about generosity. Um, because I, I, in the Old Testament, you see, it's the reverse, if you like, of righteousness. Uh, in the Old Testament, you couldn't be righteous without being generous as well. Well, it was impossible. They, 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 they were like two sides of the same coin. University of uh, Notre Dame in the United States, they have a project which is called the Science of, of Generosity. And uh, they've defined generosity 
in these words. It's the virtue of giving good things to others freely and abundantly. What exactly generosity gives can be various things, money, possessions, time, attention, aid, encouragement, emotional availability, and more. So it's not just about money, although we tend to focus on generosity as evidenced by the amount of money we give away. But it's much, much broader than just what we do with our money. If we can move on to the next slide. I've listed there some of the results of scientific research as it relates to generosity. Giving social support, time, effort or goods is associated with better overall health in older adults and volunteering is associated with delayed mortality. Now, only academics could call living longer delayed mortality. Right? It just means you won't die so soon. The second one, generosity has strong associations with psychological health and well-being. So we feel better overall if we're generous. And remember, it's not just with our money. It's with our time, with our talents, with our words. People are happier when spending money on others than on themselves. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Mind you, you still got to eat. But that's what the research has found. That's what the research has found. Small acts of kindness, like picking up something someone else has dropped, make people feel happy. Remember the old Scouts motto, do a good deed every day? Makes you feel good. There are benefits in the workplace. For example, less job burnout. And finally, generosity is associated with more fulfilling, longer-lasting romantic relationships. How about that? How about that? You'd, what, haven't you experienced that? 40 years, man. We've been together 40 years. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Anyway, don't base it on experience. This is what research by the experts shows. <laughs> 35 years tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> hey, I'll give you some money this afternoon. <laughs> That'll buy us another five years. <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to have a nap because I had a nap yes, um, last Sunday afternoon and then I went to um, Bible study and I was so dopey all night, fair dinkum. So look, the Bible tells us to be generous. Righteous people are generous people. Now I've often actually said um, in, in other forums, I haven't really said it too much here, but I don't believe you can ever be fulfilled as a Christian if you don't practice generosity. You, you'll never be fully satisfied, or what I say, you'll never be fully fulfilled as a Christian if you don't practice generosity. Let's move on to the next slide. This is what Jesus had to say. These are just a few words, but I think they're so important. Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. It is more blessed to be generous. It is more blessed to be generous. What about selfishness? Well, Solomon, Solomon had a bit of wisdom in this area. This is what he says in Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. Wow. Wow. If you define yourself by prosperity, you will not be satisfied. Because prosperity isn't the main thing in Christianity. We receive prosperity because we are entitled as siblings of Jesus Christ to the same inheritance as he is. And that includes divine health and divine prosperity in every area, spiritual, financial, mental, emotional, social, all those areas. But it's not the main thing in Christianity. Generosity is. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He who loves silver will never be satisfied by silver. He who loves abundance will never be satisfied by increase. It's in the Bible, so I know it to be true. And it's been more than amply demonstrated by scientific research. So let us remember this verse. And with great ability and power, the apostles were continuously testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they were evangelists par excellence. And great grace, God's remarkable loving kindness and favour and goodwill rested richly upon them all. Heavenly Father, as we live out the gospel generously in the coming days, weeks, months and years, we look forward to the impact of our testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for the great grace that will rest richly upon all of us. Your remarkable loving kindness, your favour and your goodwill. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.